0: Thank you for tuning in to season four of Future Hindsight. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or any other streaming app. It really helps new listeners find this show. And while you're at it, please subscribe. We really appreciate it. Welcome to Future Hindsight. I'm Mila Atmos. How can we get Americans to get excited about voting in all elections? That's our main question for today's guest on Future Hindsight, Brian Miller, executive director of Nonprofit Vote. It's a national organization that helps nonprofits engage the communities they serve in voting in elections. Thank you for joining us.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Mila.
0: Tell us about your organization. Voter engagement is a critical part of nonprofit work. Why?
1: Well, we believe that nonprofits are trusted messengers in the communities they serve. They have long-term roots, and they have a self-interest in ensuring that the communities they serve are participating in the democratic process. It's often mission-centric to nonprofits, but it's also vital to the health of our democracy because we need nonpartisan third-party groups that are doing voter engagement, not just political campaigns. And I think it's going to foster a healthier democracy, and it's going to foster a more inclusive democracy.
0: Can you explain a little bit more about the symbiotic relationship between voting and nonprofits?
1: We work primarily with human service nonprofits, so community health centers, food pantries, United Way agencies, Goodwills, groups doing work around housing issues, and so forth. They serve the very same communities that are being left out of the political process in many cases. But there's a lot of legitimate concern in this country that voter turnout is often low particularly in midterm elections and off-cycle municipal elections. Part of that is driven by policies, but a big part of that is just driven by the fact that people aren't being asked to turn out and vote. And political campaigns, they do a certain amount of turnout, but they're only generally reaching out to folks with a history of voting. And so the communities that are often served by nonprofits, if they're not voting in the first place, then they're not being contacted about voting, they're not being contacted about registering, and therefore they're not showing up. That diminishes the nonprofit's capacity to deliver on its mission about fostering healthy communities, uh, developing leaders, and so forth. If they're a health center and they're dependent on some federal funding for the community services that they're providing, well, they're going to have a much better chance of getting that continued funding if the communities they serve are voting.
0: One of the things that I noticed on your website is that there are even health benefits to voting. How do you discover these findings, and what are the health benefits?
1: There's a lot of benefits. A lot of us think of the act of voting as to make sure our voice is heard, and that is absolutely the central reason we vote. But... There's all these other correlations that seem to happen when people start voting. Their sense of connectedness to the community around them increases. Their sense of isolation breaks down. And yes, there's even studies that document that people who are voting have higher health outcomes. They're less likely to suffer various ailments. Now, part of that could be policy driven. If a community's voting, they're more likely to get services in their communities like parks and safe schools and things like that.
0: You created National Voter Registration Day to encourage people to register and to vote. What is National Voter Registration Day? How does it work?
1: I should clarify, we, along with a number of other organizations, helped create National Voter Registration Day, so Nonprofit Vote, along with the Alliance for Youth Organizing, the League of Women Voters, Rock the Vote, and the National Association of Secretaries of State all came together back in 2012 and said, we need a unified day of field and communications events around the country to really raise awareness around voter registration opportunities. And so we picked a date, the fourth Tuesday in September, which this year falls on September 25th. And we picked that date because voter registration deadlines vary by state. About 15 or 16 states require you to register to vote 30 days in advance of the election. Another 15 or so allow you to register on election day itself. And all the other states fall somewhere in between. So we set the National Voter Registration Day as sort of a national day of action or a national holiday just a few days before that. 30-day deadline that some states still have. So every year, we bring together major nonprofits, election officials, corporate partners, to really focus the public's attention and say, hey, today's the day this is an opportunity to get your voter registration updated or register for the first time. We've got every major association of election officials on board and supporting the holiday from the secretaries of state to the state election directors to the local election officials. We've got a number of media partners, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, uh, Viacom, CMT, Country Music Television, and BET and MTV. They're all out there pushing the holiday through their social media channels, perhaps on air, on the web, to generate awareness. And then we've got thousands of nonprofits who are doing registration on that event. And this year, we aim to register at least 300,000 voters on National Voter Registration Day. We've registered about 1.6 million people as part of these National Voter Registration Day events starting in 2012 when the holiday kicked off.
0: Oh, that's very impressive. One of the things that you say is that it's important to be
1: nonpartisan when encouraging people to vote. Tell us why. Well, there's a sort of a philosophical thing, right? If we let democracy itself get thrown under the bus of partisan politics, we all lose. Our democracy simply works better when more citizens show up and participate. That makes our election results more reflective and representative of what we the people think. That's just a fundamental principle that guides our work. But there's also a reality of the economics of it. Political parties and candidates have a fundamentally different economics than the rest of us third-party nonpartisan groups. A political campaign, they want their candidate to win. They want their party to win, right? They're not going to spend money and time contacting people who don't have a history of voting and that is the fundamental problem of relying on parties and candidates to do voter engagement for americans this becomes a self-perpetuating and self-fulfilling prophecy i mean if you look at the data sixty percent of unregistered voters in the last election were never contacted about registering or voting Or the candidate. If you look at the voter turnout by age, older folks tend to vote much higher rates than younger folks. And if you look at who's contacted by campaigns, the graph is almost identical. So if we're going to reach out to the folks who've been left out of the political process, it's up to third party nonpartisan groups to do it because it's not in the interest of campaigns to do it. It doesn't work for their economics.
0: Do you keep track of whether the people you reach out to are registered as Republicans or Democrats or independents?
1: No, we generally don't. We do keep track of whether they vote or not. So we've done a lot of research to document increases in turnout. We've seen in previous years when we've done studies that looked at people who are engaged by a nonprofit in their community, and we've been able to document from five up to 12 percentage point increases in voter turnout. And when it has a positive impact on turnout, we break that feedback loop. Now, part of that is because nonprofits are trusted messengers, but part of that is also, it's just face-to-face. There's plenty of studies that show face-to-face engagement is one of the most effective ways to get people to show up at the polls. I'm looking at you in the eyes, and I'm asking you to register to vote. I'm asking you to show up in November because your opinion matters. And people value that. And it it shows in the data because that's one of the most effective things we can do to increase turnout. But it's very labor intensive, obviously.
0: Yes, it is. Where do you do this work primarily with the nonprofits in the housing communities? Or do you stump on the sidewalk someplace in front of a Petco or something? How does it work?
1: Well, I think with the nonprofits that we work with as Nonprofit Vote, we basically train them to do it themselves in their lobbies, in their waiting rooms. If they're a community health center, they've got a ton of foot traffic already coming to them. They don't need to go out to a bus stop. And in fact, they're better off if they do it in their lobby because then it's like, oh, this is the community health center that I go to for my medical wellness visits. And they can leverage that trust. But I should add, on the National Voter Registration Day side of our work, we're casting a much bigger uh, net with co-ops, rural electrical co-ops, VFWs, all, a, a wider range of organizations. And the universities obviously have enormous foot traffic they can take advantage of, and young people who need to get registered.
0: So if everyday Americans want to get engaged on National Voter Registration Day, aside from registering, of course, what can we do?
1: Obviously, we want to encourage everyone to visit NationalVoterRegistrationDay.org and get themselves registered if they're not already registered. And keeping in mind, a lot of folks think they're registered, but maybe they moved recently and didn't think, oh, hey, I I didn't update it with my new address. So it's important not just to register, but to update your registration. Beyond that, I think the real thing that people can do is spread the word. We all have social media followings. Maybe we're involved with an organization that has a big social media network. On National Voter Registration Day, which is Tuesday, September 25th this year, promote the holiday on your social media channels, on your email list. We have a host of resources at nationalvoterregistrationday.org and also on our social media channels, which are N-A-T-L, Voter, Reg, R-E-G, Day, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and take those social media shareables, share them to your networks, and make sure they include links where folks can get registered to vote.
0: I want to talk about the latest study you published called Engaging New Voters about the 2016 election. What did you discover in engaging young
1: voters? Well, I think a few things. The demographics of who nonprofits reach is probably not going to be surprising to many, but it generally tends to be lower income, but it also tends to be younger. And so the folks we're engaged in who nonprofits tend to be younger than voters overall. And it's important to also note that There are very effective strategies. A lot of universities and colleges are doing voter registration drives on their campuses, whether it's run by some student group or the university itself, and that's great. But what about all those folks who aren't going to college? How do we engage those young folks to bring them in as first-time voters? the work that we're doing with nonprofit vote through the various nonprofits is one of the effective ways to reach those young voters. And what our studies have shown is that when we engage those young voters as the same as all the other groups, they vote at significantly higher rates than other young registered voters. That said, I think there's a lot to be said for engaging folks before they leave high school. If we're going to really bring young people into this process, we need to be pushing pre-registration of 16- and 17-year-olds before they leave high school, because once they leave high school, it's really hard to track folks down. They kind of get lost in the process, and they're never brought into the discussion. Some cities are experimenting with actually allowing young folks to vote in municipal elections, not national elections.
0: What is a false narrative out there about people who don't vote?
1: I would say that they don't care. But that goes back to that self-fulfilling thing. It it isn't true. There's plenty of evidence that shows that people who aren't voting, it's that no one asked them to vote. No one looked them in the eye and contacted them about voting. And that goes back to that feedback loop. And so it's really up to us to engage them in that conversation about what the issues are that matter to them and how they can ensure that voice is heard. When people are engaged in a process, there's a lot of opinions and important viewpoints that are brought to the table.
0: Let's talk about the fact that really who votes matters. What are the ramifications of the people who don't vote and therefore don't really have any input to policy matters that are at hand locally or federally? Can you flesh that out a little bit?
1: It's an interesting question. I think one thing that's going to surprise a lot of folks is that these folks who aren't voting. They're mostly not affiliated with either party. When you think about it, it makes sense because a hardline partisan, they're voting. So, you know, one could make the argument if we're trying to diffuse hyper partisanship, maybe we should really make an effort to bring these folks into the process. That said, there's been some studies from uh, Pew and other places that do show that they're more likely to support higher minimum wage, things like that, that help strengthen the economy for working people.
0: One of the things that I have read repeatedly is that more people are voting and that in order to win elections, you need to expand the voter base. For example, with Andrew Gillum in Florida or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York, I think these were surprise wins and people are saying it's because more people came out to vote or that's one of the reasons anyway.
1: That's a tough one to dig into because I don't know how high turnout actually was, but I do think when more people vote, the electorate is far more representative of the general public. When voter turnout is really low, the demographics of who's voting skews very, very much older and wider.
0: So what would you consider healthy voter participation overall and percentages?
1: Well, I think two things. One, we need to look at the right number. Some people look at Turnout relative to registered voters. And we argue that's the wrong number to look at. We need to be looking at turnout relative to voting eligible population, because if you're only looking at registered voters, turnout's actually quite high. But that's because large numbers of people aren't registered and are left out of the political process. In presidential elections, we've generally had voter turnout in the 60, 65% range of voting eligible population, and uh, generally drops to about 30, 35% in midterm elections, again, relative to voting eligible populations. But we know there's policies and we know there's interventions that can push that number up to 70, maybe 80%. Election Day registration, for one. That's one of the policies that has clear positive benefits on voter turnout. Some states require you to register 30 days in advance. The problem with that is that for a lot of Americans, it's not that they don't care. It's that they're busy. And we got to give people credit for the fact that they've got busy lives. By the time they're really, really hearing about the election in the media, it's a week before the election, and the registration deadline's already passed. That probably has more to contribute with... A lot of people who don't turn out simply because they missed that registration deadline, they forgot to update their registration when they moved last. Uh, There's actually 17 states with either same-day registration or election-day registration, which allows people to show up at the polls, register to vote or update their registration, and vote all at the same time. Those states invariably have turnout seven percentage points higher or more than other states without Election Day registration. And so that's one of the most obvious interventions we can do. Oregon was the first state in the last cycle to have automatic voter registration. They saw a very significant increase in turnout. This year, we now have 13 or so states that have some form of automatic voter registration enacted. And we're going to start seeing, I think, a positive impact on turnout from that. We also need to build the ecosystems, the social infrastructure that creates opportunities for face-to-face engagement driven by nonpartisan third-party groups. Our agenda is simply that all voices are heard, that it's an inclusive process, that the folks that have been marginalized and left out of the political process are brought in.
0: What are the raw numbers? What is the number of eligible voters? And what is the number of registered voters?
1: I don't know the number of registered voters at the moment. I know the number of unregistered voters. It's approaching 60 million people, which is basically one out of four eligible voters is not registered or the registration is outdated. It could be that they moved recently and they just didn't update their registration. Every four years, 23 million people move across state lines. Many more move across town. Every four years, 19 million more people turn 18, and 3 million more people naturalize. So you have at least 45 million people who have to update their registration every four years. So this is an ongoing process, right? The fact is, we need to build the infrastructure to keep engaging people, get them registered, and then again, talking to them about actually voting.
0: Well, you sound very passionate. Why are you engaged on this issue? What's your motivation?
1: Now, I've been doing nonprofit work for pretty much all my professional life and worked for a lot of different organizations, organizing around different issues that people are passionate about. And, and what it all comes down to is if we're going to have healthy debates around the policies and issues that affect the lives of everyday Americans, we need people voting. We need people showing up. When people are voting, candidates and elected officials are more likely to pay attention to what they have to say. They're more likely to pay attention to the viewpoints. Political campaigns, when they're developing their candidate speeches, that is an evolving speech. And that speech is evolved by the people that they're talking to. So if they're out there on the campaign trail and the people are saying, hey, what are you doing about minimum wage or living wage? Or what are you doing about health care or education? And these issues are helping define that stump speech. But if those candidates are told by their campaign staff, don't go knocking on the doors in that neighborhood because they don't vote. Then the issues of concern to that neighborhood never bubble up into that candidate's stump speech. It doesn't even become part of their dialogue. I was talking to a candidate who was running for city council and she goes, I really I wanted to go knock on this neighborhood because I knew these folks needed to be a part of the process. But my campaign advisor laid down the law and said, if you want to win this election, you only have three months left to election date. You can't afford to be wasting time knocking on doors in that neighborhood because they don't vote. And that erodes our democracy. We believe that we're all better off when our elections reflect everyone in our community. And that means we need to be as inclusive as possible and make sure that we have something close to full participation.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. Looking into the future, what makes you hopeful?
1: I think... The arc of history bends toward justice. When we look at some of these issues, we have to take 20 and 30 year views to really see that things change. One of the most promising things that I've seen in the studies is that once upon a time, 30 years ago, there used to be a huge gap between voter turnout between black and white voters. That gap has narrowed and in a few recent elections, it was actually closed. At this point, I think, White voter turnout is still about five points ahead of black voter turnout in many elections. But that's a far cry from Latino and Asian American voter turnout, which tends to lag about almost 20 points behind. But the fact that that changed, it took 20, 30 years of a lot of work in communities, but that shows me that change can happen and change does happen. But we have to take the long view. And again, We may only bend that arc of history a couple of degrees, but it does bend towards justice and more inclusive democratic process.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you for having us. And again, I encourage all your listeners to, if they're involved with a nonprofit, and they want to get the nonprofit engaged, to visit nonprofitvote.org. We have plenty of webinars, uh, online resources, fact sheets, how-to guides that they can use to get their nonprofit engaged, but also to visit nationalvoterregistrationday.org, where they can both personally register themselves, but also get their nonprofit or library or university involved.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your service, and thank you for your work in getting more people registered and to vote. Face-to-face engagements are the most effective way to persuade eligible voters to come to the polls and vote. High voter turnout reinforces the idea that our voices matter, that we want to be inclusive, and that our democracy is the better for it. We have healthier debates around the policies and issues that affect everyday Americans, and we elect representatives that reflect everyone in our communities. National Voter Registration Day is Tuesday, September 25th. If you need to register for the first time or update your registration, go to nationalvoterregistrationday.org today. Be sure to tell all of your friends and family to do the same and vote on November 6th. Need inspiration to exercise your right to vote? On the next episode of Future Hindsight, our guests are Esther de Rothschild and Aisha Sharif of The Love Vote, an organization that provides a platform for people who cannot vote to encourage those who can to actually go to the polls. They will move you with a power of love. We did a test in Alabama for the Senate race there, and we found that 81% of people who promised to vote voted in the Senate election. Of course, we would like 100%, but only 40% of Alabamans showed up. So more than twice as many of our, what we call, love voters did show up on election day. And now we've refined our system beyond what it was in December where we really follow up with people with text messages, with personal back and forth conversations to make it as easy as possible for them to keep their promise. Until next time, I'm Mila Atmos. Thank you for listening to Future Hindsight. The executive producer and host of this program is Mila Atmos. The audio producer and music composer is Peter Fedak. The associate producer is Miriam Tsumbu. Find us online at futurehindsight.com and listen to us through your favorite streaming services.